0: This podcast is presented by Rabbi Parrots mutchkin speaking to the millennial generation.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbi Parrots podcast. I'm here with the voice of the generation, Miriam, my partner. How are you?
0: I'm doing fabulous. Thank God.
1: It's so great to have you here with us. Because Shabbos is about the Shabbos queen, and in our home you're the Shabbos queen, so you belong on this podcast.
0: Yes, queen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So uh, I wanted to talk about challah because up until now we've been talking about the inspiration, the feeling, the 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 spirituality of Shabbos of Shabbat and how to get ready for it, how to think about it, how to engage with it on a pleasure level. But a deeper way of seeing is through the lens of its rituals. And one of its main rituals is challah. And you make amazing challah. Okay? Coast to coast great challah. And you evangelize it and sell it and give it. And you every, every connection there is to challah, you embody that. So I thought I had to talk to you about challah at Shabbos.
0: Well, I'm ready to share my challah story.
1: So tell me... Um, what is it about Challah in general that you feel brings out such a strong part of Jewish identity and, uh, and more importantly, highlighting Shabbos?
0: Well, first of all, because it's that good. It's that and good. All right? <laughs> you talk start. about pleasure, but like when you actually have tangible pleasure where you taste something and you're like, this is good, then that's that symbolizes you're, you're enjoying a ritual where. You're not just like doing it because oh it it may have benefits later on but like in that moment you're like oh i'm having enjoyment from this
1: what won't you have later on it's end to end something with that kind of love i've never regretted eating a piece of your challah you're being <laughs> yeah. humble
0: yeah don't worry some <laughs> people who are gluten-free they're like miriam i give an exception just for your challah <laughs> i love it i love
1: it well You know, historically, challah is one of the most ancient of the Jewish rituals. That's one of the reasons I love it so much is that it kind of predates most of Judaism as challah. We have challah goes all the way back to the first Jewish woman, Sarah. So when you make challah, you're connecting all the way to the origin of that. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us your challah story, how you connect to this origin and about the character of Sarah and how it relates to you as a current Jewish matriarch yourself.
0: Well, you talk about comfort food, right? So obviously within balance, but I think challah falls under that category of comfort food. And um, it says that when um, Isaac and Rebecca came together in their tent and he loved her and she loved him and, um, and then it says, and he was comforted from the passing of his mother, of Sarah. And so we asked, like, what, what was the comfort that he, you know, and, and the comfort was is that he knew his mom approved of, of Rivka because the blessings of her fresh challah came back to the tent. And so that was one of the comforts. And when I think of that and I think of, like, that I could give that to my shabbos table that i can give that comfort to people like that's really what inspires me about challah and to take it back to my story my challah story so when we got married um we'd have guests for shabbos in san francisco and i did not like the bakeries challah there was one kosher bakery in town and i I only thought challah came from a bakery. (laughs) So I was like, parrots, we're not going to have challah. We can have some really good sourdough bread or ciabatta rolls or, you know, French bread or whatever it is. I didn't grow
1: up. It wasn't like my mom was regularly making challah. So I, like you, thought that was the norm. Whatever. We'll get the best bread available
0: for Yeah. So there were kosher bakeries making really good other types of bread. So we would just have really good bread at our table. And, um... It was great for a few years up until I went for a Shabbos to our cousins who live in Sonoma County and they run a Jewish community there and their eight-year-old daughter at the time made this amazing (laughs) challah and I was (laughs) like, okay, if she can make it, then I got to learn her recipe and start this ritual myself. And so I got her recipe and... I it took a lot of practice to like really learn it, and and not make it take over my kitchen or take over my day. And because um, challah is a big process to make, um, you can come join me in making it, and then you'll you'll know how. But um, it I went through that process, and that's how I realized that like challah isn't just coming from a bakery. It's something that's made with love with. With a lot of intention, with and there's a mitzvah within making the challah, and I was like, oh, I've been missing, missing out on this mitzvah all this time. Like I knew people would talk about it, like oh, I'm going to pray for this when I make my challah, but I didn't really quite get it until I actually did it.
1: So take me back to like the the image you have of this first challah being made, this this matriarch Sarah, and then her successor, the matriarch Rivka, Rebecca getting involved. And, and one of the staples of the tradition of what really created this Jewish home was the challah. Take me back there. Like, what is it about that experience that they're doing that there's such blessing or drawing in the real message of their marriage and their home life and their values with the challah? Like, how does that really come together for you?
0: So when I think of challah, I also think of like, you know, what's life without your bread and butter right so you can think of like your bread and butter as your livelihood what what happens in the house but then your bread and butter is actually your bread and butter like what what is on the table what is in the fridge what are all these elements that are like nourishing you and and your family and or your guests or like what is the nourishment and and that's when I think of Sarah you know the matriarch i think of her her nourishment and what she was giving to those within her vicinity whether it was the guests that came they were very famous for having guests that's who their hollow was enjoyed by um and so i think of the nourishment um what about you what do you think oh, of me? what do you think of hollow well
1: i can't top that that's really beautiful i think as a jewish mom matriarch you think about the nourishment so, so beautifully. The mystic in me says that Sarah was like a great mystic. She was on par with Abraham as a prophetess and a mystic and, and and a seer and extremely under understood when people see the Torah lens. But if you really deep dig in the words, you see there's so much of her. There's more of her than almost any female character in Jewish history. And so when I think of her using bread, I think of her like she decided that Chala was going to manifest a huge idea. And the idea that it was going to manifest was ego. That the world thinks ego is there to just push you over the edge, or or it's or it's or it's a corrupted part of your existence, where she says no. A Jewish mom in a home nurtures the ego. The bread inflates, you know. And this is juxtaposed: the once a year, we don't make bread, we make matzah. That's deflating about resetting the ego from nothing. And guess who also makes matzah? It's Sarah. She also makes matzah. The Torah recounts to make quick bread. They called it. I have guests here make the quick bread, Avram asks her. So she chose to use bread challah as her weekend staple to nurture the ego so it should be healthy and full of confidence. So I take the nourishment to the mystical level of, she says, there's a redeemable part of ego that's not only redeemable, but the most important to be nurtured by your mom, by your family you the home that you're from. So what Isaac can't imagine, this future he's going to build without somebody who can do that, but he doesn't know what that is. He needs his wife, Rebecca, to to intuitively know that too, and he doesn't know what he's missing, and she knows what he's missing. She is able to nurture that spirit. And of course, that starts from first there in love, and then she shows him the trick. She knows the challah trick too. So there's this intuitive connection, and I think it's a wonderful parallel to you who— Wanted to do something more with her, with her, make her Shabbos her own and make and make this experience your own. And we, we used to speak speak about all these different things, like uh, should it be something you every week speak at the table? Do you want to have themed food dinners? Like there where there's always conversations we had about how you're gonna be the matriarch of your table and nurture people and like that. And it took a couple of years and then you were like, Halla, that's what I wanna do it. That's what I want to do it. So that's that's this intuitive. And taking the chain, uh, taking the baton and furthering the chain with your free choice that is so beautiful that you embody that so well.
0: You always so, articulate everything, just
1: Oh, i just, spot you know, <laughs> just expressing the way you feel. You're teaching somebody else to make challah. I think that's what you're trying to get to, that the main thing is not the bread and butter ingredients. You ultimately tinker it any way you want, but there's another process involved that you put yourself in, and that's through this mitzvah, this connection to it itself. So... You've done many challah classes here, so I guess I'm asking you to share some of those secrets
0: okay, of what, well. <laughs> what goes on
1: behind closed doors here at these challah events that get people so excited about making this braided bread, and how does it fit in with the shape and the lessons that you've taught? And, uh, share with us some of your wisdom.
0: Okay, so, so within the process of everything we cook, you know, a lot of people have asked me to do cooking classes, and I'm like, no, I'm not a professional cook, and, and I'm not a trained pastry chef. So, does no, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but for me, it always has to, if I wanted to learn how to cook, I want to go to, you know, like uh hob and have this real official class. But what, what I've seen, the real evolution of what I've seen is that people want to get their hands into something and feel like they can take ownership of something. And that something that's on their table that they crafted. And I think that Hala has that with the combination of the ingredients and of the part that it's something meaningful, like you're bringing meaning into this, onto your table through food. And mostly food is there to be consumed. So it's like, oh, you can, you know, take those great Instagram shots of something and and it makes it more enjoyable and and it looks beautiful and it tastes delicious. But where is the meaning? And challah really has that meaning, and I and that's something I hold on to as far as the the what I teach in my challah classes. Yeah, like, classes, like, yeah, like I, how, how does you that, have to come to a class okay, to get that? Fine. Like I'm not giving that on the podcast. You so know? tell me, tell
1: me about the mitzvah itself. What is the mitzvah of challah? Like the word challah means a portion. That's you know it doesn't mean bread. It means a portion. So what is the mitzvah itself, and how does the mitzvah connect with you and your kitchen? and you're nurturing and you're (laughs) matriarchy
0: so in regards to my relationship with god i'm going to get personal over here so i just tell hashem how it's supposed to be (laughs) and you know he's supposed to execute (laughs) so when it comes to my challah what is this portion what is going on so once the joe has risen we um Take this beautiful dough that's usually like fluffy and, you know, you like, you can just play around with it for a bit. But it's a wonderful texture. And you actually take a piece of it and you say a blessing. You, you have a, a meditation moment with this dough where you're taking off a piece and you're setting this piece aside for, for Hashem. And what this is a biblical, you know, goes back and they would take that piece, and it was used to, to feed those who worked at, at the temple at the time. So obviously today we don't have that temple, but um, we do it symbolically, and, and we, um, we discard the piece. And um, the, the real meditation part comes with, what are we doing? Why are we discarding a piece? it's because where is this bread and butter back to like the nourishment in the home? Like, you know, moms can also be, or, or the woman of the house or, or just a woman in general, people can say like, Oh, she's being controlling or whatever. And, and it's about letting go of that control and knowing that like, yeah, I made this dough. Yeah. I worked hard, but like, I'm setting aside a piece to know that at the end, it's up to you, God, to make it happen. So like, I, my main meditation within making the hala is like, this is what I'm doing and God, you got to do the rest. I'm setting aside this portion. I'm making space for the fact that like, ultimately it all comes from, it all comes from you. Like I'm doing my part, you do yours. And, and that's a meaningful conversation that I'm sharing with everyone that then eats it at my table or has it at their table, et cetera, where they're, they're getting something that it's not just that great chef that produced that and all the power goes into that experience. It's, it's, there's a greater power involved in this, in this experience.
1: So beautiful. I think you, you, you really set the tone for, for the culture that you live by of taking care of your side of it. Like I don't only just hear you saying like God, you do your end, I'm doing mine. You're also saying like I only could control my end. I'm letting the things that I can't control be very much, you know, in God's hands. Like that's if I, if I'm gonna believe in God, it may as well be with the full with the full side of it that I only control what I could control. And you live by that so beautifully, and you express that into your food and into. And into what you're doing, so I appreciate the culture you set for our house and for the and for the community with challah being that uh, that glutenous star. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I've tried gluten free challah. I've tried to make it many times, and it's just I don't know. Maybe I need to learn some more tricks. Um, you're it's, welcome to teach me it's, anyone. <laughs> it's
1: you know we have uh, we have options to get into shabbos. We got the wine. I spoke about that a little bit on uh, previous in- uh, podcast installments. We have you know food, but like you know each each portal. I think even if you're not eating challah, the experience of it being there and it's setting the tone of the table that a portion was taken. The end-to-end making of this bread had the intentionality that we only control. What we could control. We only do what's on our side to do. So, so, so it's a, I, I love that theme that you use for the challah.
0: And and challah to me builds community, and and it really became tangible when. We first moved to Venice and we had someone at our table who was like, where is this challah from? What is going on? And um, this fellow Ori was eating my challah and he said, you know, I'm in the tech industry here in Venice. But as a side thing, I created my own um, challah subscription service. Like I, I had the name, I have the site, I have everything set up, but I've been, you know, Taste testing all these different challahs from bakeries, and he's just like, as I've said before, I'm just not a bakery challah person. And he said, I just can't find the right challah to sell on this subscription service. So, so he's like, Would you sell your (laughs) challah? And so, and you know, I've been asked that before, but I'm a community leader. For me, it has to be. I'm not. I'm not here to open up a bakery. You know, so. When we further discussed it and then we got this commercial kitchen here, um, it was a continuous discussion and um, it didn't really evolve until my, my father-in-law gifted me this high holiday season with a commercial mixer. And this way I was able to make like 30 loaves of challah in one batch with a big oven and this, this great big mixer. And so I was able to tell Ori, we're ready. We're ready to launch. We're ready to launch Hollaback. And what is, what is Hollaback? So he was into yeah. it for the...
1: For the Brooklyn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, not Brooklyn. He's from Chicago. He was into it for, you know, like Hollaback girls or oh, that, gotcha. that kind of thing. And I'm like, uh, not really my style. And I was like, Hollaback, we, you get one, you give one. And, um, for me, it's all about community. So if challah can build community and if we can know that, that this bread that's on our table is feeding another person as well, like that's, this challah is really encompassing everything that, that Judaism, Judaism represents right there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wonderful project that we've started and, um, and I'm I'm excited to see where where it takes us. So, if you want to order challah, every challah you you get one will be given. And um...
1: I love it. Let me ask you like this: um, When we lived in SF, you used to like anytime you thought of somebody during the week, you'd put them on your challah list. We'd send them challah. And today. Where we're at a different place starting a whole different type of community here in Venice. And you're implementing this on a higher level of like like making it wide access, making more of it, having the ability to both sell, to give, and all these different levels. Just the other week, you were like, you know, I want to do something for firefighters because they've been working quite hard on the fires here in Southern California. And you went to a local police sta- uh, fire station and brought challah to them. An amazing, an amazing experience to see you use this gift and, and get out to the people. Um, I, I'd like to finalize with the, your your hope for where this could go to, and uh, and uh, your continued, you know, plug for the Chal events that you do. Tell us how the future, how uh, what would you'd like to see, and how people can get involved.
0: So the vision really is that you know a community is built by one individual feeling like they belong and that they not just belong, but they can make something like they can be a part of it and get, get their hands in on it. And, and challah is a perfect example of that. So I really invite each person to come have a conversation with me about it. See how, you know, what community is that, you know, of that, that needs challah that we can partner with to be giving to. And, and do you want to host your own challah bake in honor of your birthday or a celebration that's coming up? And, how can we really take this this meaningful bread that we have within jewish life and 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 really catapult that onto many levels and that's that's really where i want to see this go is just for it to you know to build to build community one one challah at a time
1: i love it well thank you so much for sharing about all this and for taking the lead here on today's podcast, and uh, and giving us all those beautiful points, because I really do think it uh, it shows the highest goodwill and spiritual statement of what we're about. So we found uh, a beautiful vehicle and that uh, you enjoy, and you are, and we're here to support what it is you want to do and what ways you want to do the to build your community and your vision for it, Miriam. So you're the best.
0: Thank you. (laughs) I love getting compliments. I'm going to come on this podcast more often. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, to be continued, because I uh, feel like this conversation will evolve and great stories will come out of this. So we may do a Kahala podcast in the future, and we'll give updates on uh, how the business side of it, the subscription side of it, and how the the giving side of it has grown, hopefully, uh, in the years to come. So, you haven't heard the end of Miriam's Challah story. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. And thank you for checking out the Rabbi Parrots podcast. If you like it, drop us a rating on Apple. Otherwise, feel free to reach out at word at rabbiparrots.com. Thank you, Miriam at Miriam, M I R Y U M. And uh, thank you, paladin.nyc studios.
0: Shem Tari Ali